welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Uh, my name's Phil. I don't wear a dog collar. Uh, I'm just one of the, the ordinary people in our church family who occasionally uh, uh, appears up here, as I have this morning. Um, Nikolai Ivanovich Bukharin was a Russian communist leader. He took part in the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917, was editor of the Soviet newspaper Pravda, and was a full member of the Soviet Politburo. And there's a story about a journey that Nikolai took from Moscow to Kiev in 1930 to address a huge assembly on the subject of atheism. Addressing the crowd, he aimed his heavy artillery at Christianity, hurling insult, argument, and proof against it. An hour later, he was finished. He looked out at what seemed to be the smouldering ashes of people's faith. Are there any questions? Bukharin demanded. Deafening silence filled the auditorium. But then one man approached the platform and mounted the lectern standing near the communist leader. He surveyed the crowd, first to the left, then to the right. Finally, he shouted the ancient greeting known well in the Russian Orthodox Church. Christ is risen. En masse, the crowd arose as one, and the response came crashing like, like a sound of thunder. He is risen indeed. No matter what had been said to these people, they knew in their hearts the essential gospel message that Christ had indeed risen. In fact, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, there would be no Christian faith. Jesus' teaching would be pointless. His death on the cross would be meaningless without going on to conquer death and come out the other side. As St. Paul wrote, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. The first Christian sermon recorded in the book of Acts took place just after the first followers of Jesus had received the Holy Spirit. Peter spoke to a crowd wondering what was going on and having explained that they weren't drunk, he focused on the most important thing of their message, the most important part of their message, which was that Jesus had risen from the dead. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact, he told them. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What Jesus experienced after his death was resurrection, not resuscitation. He was not resuscitated. He did not return to his previous life, like Lazarus, Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, only to die again. The resurrected Jesus was not a ghost. He had 
a real body. But it wasn't the same as before. It was a transformed body. He ate fish. He cooked fish. But he was able to enter a locked room. He came and went as though he belonged in both our world and in a different one also. The Christian belief is that we ourselves will be raised to a new transformed body, just like that of the resurrected Jesus when he finally returns. Jesus went first and we will follow. St. Paul described the risen Jesus as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In the message version of the Bible, it says he is the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. When Jesus was taken down from the cross, nobody expected resuscitation, let alone resurrection. The Romans made sure that nobody survived crucifixion, and dead people don't normally come back to life. No wonder then that when the women returned from the empty tomb on the first Easter morning, we read in Luke's account that the disciples did not believe them because their words seemed like nonsense. And the two disciples, walking back to Emmaus on the first Easter evening, who were joined by a Jesus whom they did not recognize, expressed their complete bewilderment about reports of an empty tomb. The disciples needed to see before they believed. In John's account, we read that when John reached the empty tomb, he saw the burial cloth folded up by itself, separate from the linen strips, and then, John says, he saw and believed. They needed to see the evidence, and the more they saw it, the more they appear to have believed. Except for poor old Thomas. Poor old Thomas. Who, for some reason, initially missed out on seeing the risen Jesus. He'd been elsewhere. We don't know where or why. But when the other disciples told him that they had seen the risen Jesus, he famously declared that he would not believe unless he saw the nail marks in Jesus' hands, put his finger where the nails were, and put his hand into Jesus' side. Now, maybe there's a lesson here that if we withdraw from Christian fellowship and company and try to work things out on our own, we miss out on what Jesus is doing. Things can happen to us when we are in the company of other Christians, which won't happen when we are alone. And maybe Thomas was a little jealous that he'd missed out on his friend's experience. That might be a warning to those of us who were not at Spring Harvest last week, not to be jealous or put out when we hear of all those good things which went on there without us. Thomas has developed a poor reputation. He's often dismissed as doubting Thomas. That seems unfair. 
Peter denied Jesus three times, but he hasn't gone down in posterity as denying Peter. But Thomas is apparently doubting Thomas. Thomas just wanted to see the same evidence that his friends had. He had to be sure. He wasn't willing to say that he understood what he did not understand or that he believed what he did not believe. The consequences of believing that Jesus had risen from the dead were serious. It would put the disciples in even greater danger from the authorities. It would put their lives at risk. A number of them would go on to lay down their lives for Christ, even if tradition is right, Thomas, who tradition says laid down his life for the gospel when he took it to India. Jesus told a parable about a person wanting to build a tower and checking that they had enough money to complete it. He also told of a king about to go to war and calculating whether his forces were strong enough to overcome those of his opponent. Wasn't Thomas just following Jesus' advice for people intending to follow him to weigh up the heavy cost of what they were undertaking? We know that believing isn't always easy. It can be a struggle. As the father of the boy brought for healing to Jesus said, I do believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus appeared to Thomas and the other disciples, he addressed Thomas's concerns. He met Thomas at his point of doubt and need. There is perhaps a hint of gentle rebuke to Thomas for needing to see before he believed, although, as I've already observed, he wasn't asking for more than the others had experienced. However, Jesus' words, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, are more an encouragement to us who come later. We are all blessed when, without seeing the risen Jesus for ourselves, we believe in him. We can't see the risen Jesus, but we do have the evidence of those who did see Jesus to encourage us to believe in him. John even said in the verses that followed what Colin read to us that that was the reason for his writing the gospel so that we would believe. There is plenty of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus available to us today. Don't take my word. Listen to Justin Welby, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who's agreed to help me out this morning. Uh, actually, this is him speaking in Canterbury Cathedral on Easter Sunday a week ago. Just a couple of minutes to listen to him. But why should we believe this story, this unlikely story that caused mockery even in its own time? And so what if we do believe it? We believe it, first of all, because the body of Jesus was never found. If it had been there, it could so easily have been used to disprove the claims of the disciples. If they had taken it away themselves, someone would have talked. Look how hard it is for any secret to be kept in any organization. 
put that secret, that secret of the resurrection, in the hands of a vowedly weak and frightened and powerless people, and imagine how likely it would have been to remain secret. They were not brave. They would have told everyone of the plot as soon as they were under pressure. The main leaders of the church were not good. One was bribed, 11 abandoned Jesus, and there were hundreds of other witnesses. And secondly, because even when Christianity was legal, there was never a tomb of Jesus to go to and remember and honor him. There's one for Peter in Rome. You can find it, surprise, surprise, by going to St. Peter's Church in the Vatican. Look around this cathedral. We have memorials to people of all sorts. If anyone knew where Jesus had been buried, it would have been marked dramatically. And because the witnesses sound real, they're not made up to give credibility. In those days, to have a woman as a witness counted half as much as a man. The other witnesses were poor and ill-educated lay people. They weren't wise sages. And because the disciples were so changed in character, in vision and achievement, something literally out of this world changed them. And because people ever since have also been changed dramatically, know this person, Jesus, love him, and give their lives for the truth of this story of resurrection, including millions around the world today and in a week's time at the Orthodox Easter. Just a whistle-stop tour of some of the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. But how do we respond to the evidence? Do we shrug our shoulders and carry on as if nothing has happened? Do we live our lives as if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead? Thomas didn't. He declared, my Lord and my God. The first person in John's Gospel to address the word God directly to Jesus. Not bad for a man dismissed by many as a doubter. That was a dangerous statement for Thomas to make. His fellow Jews would consider it blasphemous to use the same language about Jesus as they did for God, whom they worshipped in the temple. And the Roman occupiers demanded absolute loyalty to their emperor, to Caesar, whom they regarded as divine. The challenge for us when we see this evidence for the resurrection and if, when we say, my Lord and my God, is to make the same witness in the face of the lords and gods of our world. Things such as reliance on self, fear, anxiety, and consumerism, to mention but a few. And the challenge in other parts of the world is even greater, where the consequences of declaring that the state and its leaders are not the supreme authority can be dreadful, even fatal. But accompanying that challenge is the knowledge that we live with the risen Jesus. First and foremost, we follow a living person, not a doctrine, philosophy, theory, or institution. 
If Jesus was resurrected, as the evidence overwhelmingly indicates, he is the conqueror of death and therefore still alive today. Although Thomas's meeting with the risen Jesus was different to our experience today, we can still meet Jesus. He lives with us and in us if we follow him. That fact is not dependent upon our feelings. Most of us face Thomas moments in our journey of faith, both at the beginning when we ponder whether it's all true or along the way when we face difficulties and tests and wonder where he is in them. At such moments, it's encouraging and comforting to know that Jesus lives and to be reminded of the evidence. It's also encouraging to know that the living Jesus wants to meet us at our point of doubt and need. In a moment, I'm going to say a special prayer which the Church of England has written for St. Thomas's Day, which, as you all know, is the 3rd of July. But first, we're going to listen to a song which will be played and the words for which will appear on the screen. And the song reminds us that Christ has risen despite our doubts and denials. He has risen for people confused, disappointed and scared. The risen Christ is present. Christ has risen for people in a mess and who find faith strange. But we can be transformed because he has risen. Let's listen. Christ is risen, Christ is risen. 
And so we pray, almighty and eternal God, who, for the firmer foundation of our faith, allowed your holy apostle Thomas to doubt the resurrection of your son, till word and sight convinced him. Grant to us who have not seen that we also may believe and so confess Christ as our Lord and our God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search Westchelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.